Good morning, everybody. I'm so glad to see you here on this 4th of July. At Journey, we exist for one reason. That's to help people take their next step on their spiritual journey with Jesus. We get so excited to launch people into their greatest purpose in life. Uh, many of us have jobs. We kind of know our roles, but not very many of us are actually living our greatest purpose. And we want to help facilitate. We want to help launch you into that greatest purpose in life, which how we define that is to be loving God and loving the people in your life, the people who are sitting in the front row seats of your life, who you actually have an influence over those people. We want to live intentionally so that they actually see Jesus in us um, and that, that God can use us to help influence them so they can also experience his love and be launched into their greatest purpose. So how do we do that here at Journey? There's three things that we want to encourage everyone to do. One is to identify who are those people on the front row seats of your life. So we have front row cards here where it kind of gives you a little prompt of how to identify those people who are maybe sitting in the front row seats of your life in this season. And then number two is to be in a discussion group. We're walking through uh, life with like-minded people on the same mission. Although right now our groups are on break. But we are having parties on the patio uh, for all of these Thursdays this month. And then in August, we're going to relaunch those groups. So we want you in a group. And third... And kind of the glue for all this is we want you to be in Scripture, reading God's Word daily with us. So we want you to be reading your Bible, but we do it here at Journey Through the Bible app. So we're all reading the same thing and discussing it at the end of uh, the reading each day. You can add a comment, you can add a question, something like that. But we want to be reading Scripture together. And this morning we're launching a new series called The Summer of Psalms because... Uh, beginning Tuesday of this week, we will be launching our next reading plan, which is through the book of Psalms together. We are wrapping up today and tomorrow uh, the book of Numbers. But we have a teaching team here, so we share the privilege and responsibility of teaching. And this morning, Jeff Sammons and I will be introducing the book of Psalms and jumping through um, and setting it up a little bit before we start the plan on Tuesday. Oops. Oh, because it says off. Yeah, just, just click it down. Click it so okay, it says it. on. Okay. I'm not, I'm not used to the... Uh, and it still isn't working. Okay. You're fine. You can jump in. Okay. Um, when I was about 12 years old, I decided that I was going to read the Bible. I went to church, but it wasn't a church where you had the ABC prayer, and they did a little Bible reading in a really old translation with a lot of heretofore so's and these, and I didn't understand it. So I went to the library, and I got uh, the most recent translation that they had at the time, which was the Jerusalem Bible. I started reading. I started in Genesis, and, you know, Genesis has got a lot of stories. And Exodus and Leviticus, it kind of slows down a little bit. There's... But there's kind of stories to keep you going. And so you're going through Joshua, Judges, First and Second Kings, Chronicles. And there's, there's a nice storyline going through. And it kind of slowed down when I got to Proverbs. Uh, but that was interesting. And then I hit Psalms. And there was no story. And there were these things that looked like they were supposed to be poems. And sometimes over the top it said, sing to the tune of this. And I didn't know what that song was. And I bailed out. I never even got to the prophets or the New Testament. Um, so this is, you're going into this completely blind. You've never read, you've never finished Psalms. No, I did. <laughs> I did eventually finish the Psalms. Uh, but not when I was 12. Uh, and why, and so my question is, why would you want to read the Psalms? And we're starting this summer in the Psalms 
because we want everybody to try and engage with it. Well, first of all, what are the Psalms? Um, well, they're ancient Hebrew poetry. Now, Hebrew doesn't work like English. When it comes to poetry in English, we have very, we're very rigid. For instance, I never saw a purple cow. I never hoped to see one. We have rhyming. We have syllables that have to go in a certain place. Uh, any of you remember iambic pentameter from high school when you had to do Shakespeare? I think I saw a couple of you shudder there. Um, we have very strict things. Hebrew, as far as we can figure, was much more loose. And so even as you've been reading numbers, as we've been reading the Old Testament, there's a lot there that where it's set out differently that was a poem or a song of some sort. Uh, so Hebrew can do a lot more in poetry than English can. The other thing is a lot of the psalms used to be songs. They're songs, but we don't know the music. So Psalm 22 says, uh, sing to the tune of Do Not Destroy. We didn't, know, we didn't have musical notation until about 800, 1,000 years after Christ. So the only way that these people would know a song was if someone handed it down to them. So for instance, if Sarah doesn't teach melody, uh, open up my heart, Lord, then in 20 years, nobody's going to know it. When Sarah dies, if Melody doesn't know the song, there's nobody going to know it. You Is have Sarah to... dying in 20 years? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay, good. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't, but you didn't know, and in a time when people died much younger than now, you might not have time. And if you've read Kings and, and uh, Chronicles, they weren't following the Lord all that closely. And so... We have lost a lot of these uh, tunes, but we still have the superscription. So don't let those throw you. None of us know the tunes for any of them. However, the Psalms are so durable and have such eternal themes and a rhythm, even if it's not in our language, that if you've been in worship music or Christian music anytime, or even secular music, you're going to be recognizing things as we go through the Psalms. Uh, both Christian and secular groups will draw from the Psalms. Uh, because really, whether you're a believer or not, it's beautiful poetry. Uh, so who wrote them? Well, part of the problem we have with this is the same Hebrew word means of, or by, or for, or to, or concerning, or about. That's all one Hebrew word. So we don't know if it's by uh, David, or it's about David, or it was written to David, or it, we, we just can't really be sure about these. So the experts have kind of figured that they can nail down 73 of the 150 psalms as having been written by David, as best we can figure out. Uh, 12 were written by Asaph, who worked in the temple, and 11 were written by the sons of Korah. Remember in Numbers, Korah was that guy who uh, tried to start a rebellion against Moses, and God had him swallowed up into the earth alive. I think there was like 12, uh, Numbers 12 or 13. So these are the descendants of Korah who must have noted that and said, okay, we can end up like Grandpa did, or we can follow the Lord. Let's try this following the Lord. But for a lot of the Psalms, we really can't be sure of who the author is. Uh, but the message is godly anyway. So, and and oh. that's interesting because there's 150 of them, and there's 50 that kind of anonymous, don't know exactly who. But it's pretty good when we read through Psalms, oftentimes it will mention this is a Psalm of David, or if it, if it knows, um, and it, it's cool because it parallels many of the other stories, as you mentioned, with numbers. As, like, it could have, 
Numbers was kind of tough to go through. There's a lot of names, there's a lot of things, but as we read through these stories, we'll, as we read through Psalms, we'll see some of those connections, which is awesome. And, uh, yeah, the next, uh, well, so how did they get 150? There had to be more songs than that. Uh, well, they've been accumulated over a period of hundreds of years where people would say, yeah, this is worth keeping, and this is, this is a song that's good. Uh, there are, you'll read, when you open up the Psalms, you'll see uh, Book 1, which I think is Psalm 1 to 44, and then Book 2 is 45 to 72, and I forget after that. Remember that they didn't have books like we have, bound books, didn't have electronic books at all. And so everything was written on skins. So you didn't have infinite amount of room to write out a hundred and whatever psalms. So your sheepskin is only so big. So that's how it got divided up into books, because the books were actually scrolls. Every book of the Bible, you know, wasn't a bound book. It was a scroll. And they would open it up and they would read it. Uh, there are actually more psalms than that. We've been reading songs and that through the Old Testament. And uh, there are apocryphal psalms. I think I've seen up to 155. Uh, but if we believe that God is the author of all scripture, that even though humans wrote it, God inspired it word for word, we also can believe that God's the editor of the Bible. And there were some Psalms that he gave people wisdom to see, this isn't an eternal message, you can put this one aside. This one is going to last forever. Make sure that gets in. But back to my original question, why should I read the Psalms? Because if you've been following the Lord for any length of time and you haven't engaged with the Psalms, you are cutting yourself off from a major source of support. In the rest of the Bible, there are stories. Uh, but you don't get a lot of depth of emotion. So if you're feeling down and out, numbers may not have a lot for you. For instance, in Numbers, I think that's where Moses goes to Meribah and he strikes the rock and the water comes out. And later on, God says, you are angry. Well, we don't really see that anger in the book of Numbers. Uh, but you can see all the emotions. You can see real people, whether it's David or whoever it was, in the Psalms. You can see David starting out Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, if you've ever felt far away from God, if you've ever felt like all of your friends have left you, if you've ever felt like there's nothing in the world for you and you would just soon be dead, Psalms is where you need to be and draw comfort from. And if you're not feeling that way, someday you will. And if you're feeling like you want to praise the Lord, there's a psalm for that, too. It's like that old, uh, there's an app for that. There's a psalm for that. Now, back in the day when we had symphonies and musicals, the first little bit of music you heard was not sung, or like in a symphony case, it wasn't a real symphony. It was kind of an introduction, an overture. Uh, uh, to give people time to get into their seats and to listen. I know this because when I was about five and six years old, my father would listen to uh, the music man every night. Uh, and he would sing it to us. I still know the words to a lot of the songs. And uh, the first part, though, there was no singing. The first part were, the song, were like six or seven of the songs uh, that the orchestra would play as people were finding their way to their seats. Well, that's how Psalms works, too, because the first two Psalms, Psalms 1 and 2, are probably introductory. They were probably written to be an introduction. Let me see if this works. Ah, it, whoops, it worked. 
Um, Gerald Wilson says, if you were to open a handwritten medieval manuscript of Psalms at its beginning, chances are you would discover this psalm, Psalm 1, the first in the collection, written in red ink and without any evidence of a number. That's because in an early date, the psalm we now know as Psalm 1 was understood to be an introduction to the whole Psalter rather than just another psalm. And some uh, commentators think that Psalm 2, because Psalm 1 starts with a praise and Psalm 2 ends with a praise, that that was a single introductory psalm. And so that's why I'm treating both of them together. Like the introduction to a musical or a symphony, we're going to see some of the themes that are going to be in all of the psalms. Uh, and one of the things we're going to see in psalms is a contrast to the godly and the evil. The kind of thing we saw in Proverbs. Uh, one thing that Hebrew likes is parallelism where we're going to show you the good and the evil. Another thing you'll get a lot of along that lines is repetition. In our world today, we say things, especially in English, say things once. If you didn't get it, well, you're stupid. And we'll say it again the same way. But it might throw you in Psalms that he'll say one thing several different times. And you're thinking, let's get off the stick here. But the purpose of that is God really wants you to get that message in your head. Psalm 119 is the longest psalm. It's like 160 verses or something. All of them say basically the same thing. If you want to live right, if you want to live prosperously, follow God's word. If you don't, you're going to have problems. And again and again and again and again, worded different ways. Uh, and so Psalm 1 starts out, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with the mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all that they do. Now, I underline trees planted by the riverbank there. If you think of the trees that are out by the, the river, there you can always tell where, the, where a river is in Northern California. You just see a bunch of trees, and that, there's a river there. And those trees can gather moisture no matter how bad the, bad the drought gets. Uh, on the other hand, if you're a tree in the desert, you're not going to gather as much moisture. Uh, we went through, drove through Nevada at, over spring break, and Linda would make fun of these little stunty palm trees. Look at that little thing. And I would think, wow, that tree has to work so hard, it never rains, the temperatures are really bad. But there's a theological point that the author is making here. That if you meditate on the law of the Lord, just like that tree, the tree by the river doesn't work hard. It, doesn't, it works probably less hard than that tree in the desert. So it's not your works and mine that get us close to God. It's where we put ourselves. Do you put yourself in the word of the Lord, or do you put yourself away from him? Uh, but not the wicked. So we're doing the contrasting thing here. They're like worthless chaff. Chaff is the, we don't even sell it now. Uh, it's the shell of the wheat, not the bran, uh, the outer edge of that. Uh, they're scattered by the wind. They'll be condemned at the, sign of, at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. So the paths separate there. Some people will tell you, well, we're all going to the same place. Uh, but Psalm 1 seems to indicate that we don't. The godly are going one place and the wicked are going another. Uh, Another theme is the sovereignty of God, that God is in control. Psalm 2 starts, why are the nations so angry? 
Why do they waste their time with futile plans? Uh, every, as human beings, we try to set up our own systems in opposition to God or to try to get by without Him. A lot of the things we do are to try to get away from God and His rule. And in this case, the kings of the earth are preparing for battle, to try and battle against God. Uh, but the one who rules in heaven laughs. God didn't even take this seriously. He's not, oh gosh, this could be a trouble. He laughs. He scoffs at them. Then in his anger, he rebukes them, terrifying them with his fierce fury. Uh, another th theme we'll see in the Psalms is the Messiah. Now there have been hints, and we did that last Advent, through the Old Testament, hints of that God was coming in human form. But we'll really start seeing those in Psalms. And here's one that's referenced seven times in the Gospel. Uh, the king proclaims the Lord's decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son, today I become your father. Only ask and I will give you the nations as your inheritance, the whole earth as your possession. Now originally that was written for the king of Israel. But obviously that doesn't apply. That applies to somebody other than an earthly king. And we who are the other side of Jesus know that that's who that applies to. So you'll see a lot of that in the Psalms. Speaking towards this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen to him. And another theme you'll see in the Psalms. A lot of people are put off by the Psalms. Because God seems to be angry a lot. Uh, but we serve an emotional God. He's emotional like we are. Uh, so Psalm 2.12, submit to God's royal son or he'll become angry and you'll be destroyed in the midst of all your activities for his anger flares up in an instant. But what joy for all who take refuge in him. Now, a lot of people believe, well, God just gets mad at humanity and he wants to wipe people out. But he loves people. That's all the way through scripture. What he hates is what we're doing. He hates our sin. That's what causes his anger to flare up because he hates sin and he hates what sin does to the people he loves so much. So we serve an angry God, but unlike the angry that we're used to, Paul says, you know, we're used to our fathers who disciplined us as they thought best. God is doing it for our good from perfect motives. So when God gets angry and where as parents we might really be angry at our kids, God never crosses that line. He loves us, but he hates what we're doing. And so we see an emotional God in the Psalms. We see a God that really, really hates sin, but really, really loves his people. Yeah, and that's interesting. It's, it's interesting to think that God's an emotional God, but we do see that. We do see his, um, his response, and we see humans' connection with God through emotions. However, I think it is important to, to state that God is not emotional like we're emotional. He doesn't get driven by his emotions. His character is the same Always, he can respond emotionally, but not. Um, but he never deviates from who he is, from his character. He's not driven by his emotions as we are. Even if we absolutely don't want to be driven by our emotions, if you can make me mad enough, I may act out against my values because my emotions have gotten the best of me. Where God is not that. That's he, impossible. He, he he will not. Uh, he he is who he is. So I want to share a little bit about uh, Psalm five. And so, as you mentioned, Psalm 1 and 2 are kind of a little bit by themselves, um, an introduction almost to the book of Psalms. Psalm 5 is just a, almost a random psalm put in kind of the first book. It's a psalm of David. And, and earlier this week, 
I heard from two different people, what do you do when you don't feel close to God, when you don't feel like you're connected to God, and you don't feel like, maybe even if you know what you ought to read today, this is the reading plan, you just don't really feel like it. It's not like you don't want to, you just don't really want to. Um, what do you do? And I heard two different answers. One of them uh, is go to summer camp. Like, I heard so many people going to summer camp because they just kind of felt like disconnected, and they wanted that, that shot in the arm, that jolt, and that, that obviously works. I mean, there's so much joy in uh, excitement and rededication that takes place. However, um, even if you're in high school, you've got another year to wait before you're going back to summer camp. And another uh, person was telling me that, hey, when they don't feel like reading, they don't feel that close to God, they just open the book of Psalms. Because you can read a short poem or a song, a few verses, and you can connect. It's not as, uh, it's not just history, it's not even just you find yourself in the middle of a story trying to figure out what's going on. I mean, i got to be honest. When we're reading numbers, there are many chapters where I'm reading and kind of thinking, like, uh, I feel pretty inadequate because I've read through, like, four different groups of people, and I don't, I'm lost. It can be a lot. It's, when you read those lists and numbers, it reminds me of in the newspaper when they publish the honor roll for a school. And let's face it, you're looking in there for your name or your kid's name, and that's it. Uh, and so when we're looking, we're not going to see either one of those things in that big long list in Psalms. So you're looking for maybe a name you recognize from another scripture, but you don't see one. Yeah, so but in Psalms, it's, 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 not even, it's not even the knowledge. It's not necessarily even teaching. A lot of the New Testament are Paul's letters, encouragement, and Paul even teaching through some theology. And this teaching, which is awesome, and we know what to do with that. But if I'm honest, I spend a lot of my life in this place I call the knowledge action gap, right? In between what I know I ought to do and what I know I can do and the reality that I don't. Um, I mean, how many of you have, you know how to do something because you've watched a video on YouTube yet you've never actually done it? Or you did it and it failed tremendously, but you've got no excuse because you know how to do it because you've watched it on YouTube. It's like, what do you do then? And that's what the Psalms are. It's, it's the experiences of people who are trying to walk with God, but what is their actual experience? It's the, it's, it's the in-between between what, who God is and what he is, the knowledge, and then the reality of us being humans. As, as Jeff mentioned, the majority of Psalms, are maybe not the majority, but a lot of them are written by David. This is the same David who was a shepherd boy who kind of came on the scene, remember, because he was a rock slinger, and he took on Goliath, and he should have been murdered, but instead he killed the giant, and he did it with a pebble and a slingshot. So this dude was a hero. He became a king. And um, as many people, when they get power, he slipped up. He saw someone he was very attracted to. He ended up sleeping with her. Uh, and then his, his worst-case scenario, she became pregnant, so he had to go into okay, how am I going to cover this up mode? So he tries to, remember, tries to call home her husband. She was married. Uh, the soldier, Uriah, he tried to call him home to, hey, maybe if he sleeps with her, they think it was their kid. But he's too loyal. He's out on the front lines. He's like, I'm not coming home till this battle is over. And so as humans, we know the right thing to do oftentimes, but the way we act is what's plan B, what's plan C. He arranges how terrible, but we've maybe had thoughts like this. How else can I cover this up? And so he positions things in such a way where her husband gets killed to cover up this pregnancy with his wife, and so he will never have to face this man. 
And so here's this guy who's this hero, but also a screw-up, and he knows God, and he, and he has tremendous respect and honor, and, and he loves God, but he also is sitting in this, this knowledge action, action gap because he's, he's screwed up. And so um, I love that the Psalms are, Dave, many of them are David's interactions with God. Not from just this is the knowledge, this is what you ought to do, or this is information to know, but from the position of God, you are this and I am not, and what do we do with that? So I want to read through Psalms 5. And this is, there's 12 verses here, and actually in the first book of Psalms, this is a pretty lengthy one. Um, a lot of the Psalms are shorter than this. And David, uh, apparently, this Psalm is to be read uh, accompanied by the flute. Um, but I don't even, I don't even know where you would get a flute these days. Uh, I know some of you guys are like, I have a flute. Their flute wasn't ours. Okay. <laughs> it was different. It was, it was probably, uh, okay. So he says this, Oh Lord, hear me as I pray. Pay attention to my groaning. And if you've been there, I know I've been there. I think I want to pray, but the best I can offer is groaning because I'm not even, I don't even know what to do. Listen to my cry for help. That's his posture. A, a posture of crying for help. My King, my God, I pray to no one but you. I've got no other options. It's, it's all you. I'm putting it all here. God, listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. And that, that second song we sang was actually about bringing our offerings, lifting our voice in the morning. I love that. Uh, in the morning, Lord, each morning I bring my request to you and wait expectantly. Oh God, you take no pleasure in wickedness, wickedness. You cannot tolerate the sins of the wicked. Therefore, the proud may not stand in your presence. For you hate all who do evil. You will destroy those who tell lies. The Lord detests murderers and deceivers. Because of your unfailing love, I can enter into your house. His posture here is, God, you, you know the wicked. You cannot stand the wicked. You will not tolerate the wicked. And I'm here, him knowing that he is even wicked. God, I, because of your unfailing love. That's the only reason that I can even come before you. I can enter your house. I will worship at your temple with deepest awe. Lead me in the right path, O Lord. Your plan, uh, make your way plain for me to follow. My enemies cannot speak a truthful word. Their deepest desire is to destroy others. Their talk is foul, like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with flattery. O God, declare them guilty. Let them be caught in their own traps. Drive them away because of their many sins, for they have rebelled against you. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them sing joyful praises forever. Spread your protection over them, that all who love your name may be filled with joy. For you bless the godly, O Lord. You surround them with your shield of love. One of the things that I found, and, I, and I've heard a lot of people the Psalms kind of put you off and is there's a lot of this, you know, strike down my enemies, kill them, mash them. But let's be honest, we've all felt that way, right? I mean, we've all had people that we have, if you ever watch the Twilight Zone, you wish them into the cornfield. You just want them gone and dead and horribly mutilated. Uh, and this is what we're talking about with, with, uh, with Psalms being honest. But notice what David does here. David doesn't say, I'm hurt and I and help me. David says uh, they've rebelled against you. Drive them away because they're not following your word. It's almost as if David is saying, I don't matter, you do. And because they're violating your law, um, declare them guilty and punish them. This, this psalm is really, I, I think, 
it's so helpful to come back and to feel close to God and to be able to take our next steps in our relationship with God because we all feel these things. This, this isn't the kind of stuff that we post on Facebook. You know, we like to post the highs, but with the lows and the way we really feel, who, what do we do with those things? And David sets a great example of he lives it out on, in these poems, in these songs, and he doesn't even know what to do with them. He doesn't say, God, give me a plan. Instead, it's a submission to, God, your plan. God, you handle the wicked. God, you, it's because of your love that I even can enter in here. David, who had the success that we could only dream of on the outside, is a broken person on the inside because of his own failures Yet he comes before the Lord time and time again and beautifully lays out his heart and his desire to move forward with God. In a journey, we talk about the ABC prayer, and, it, and it's, it's just what it looks like for us to individually engage with the gospel. And the truth is, many of us have heard that Jesus loves you. Many of us have heard that Jesus died on the cross to forgive us, to allow us to be redeemed, to have a relationship again with our Father, with our Creator, and many of us know that when we ask for forgiveness, that he will forgive us and then we can move forward in relationship with God. But also many of us know of the wickedness of our own heart and that we've even done that before and we haven't, we've still deviated, we've still drifted, we've still messed up, we don't know what to do with that. And David, throughout the Psalms, is an example of what it looks like to repent, to believe who God is, and to understand who we are, and to put all of our coins in that, in Him, not in us. But to fully say, God, you have to do something. God, give me another chance. God, lead me. God, you do the stuff, and I will choose to follow you. And a journey, the ABC prayer is just, it's, it's nothing, it's just so we remember ABC. We can all remember that. But it's this admit, this believe, this commit, and we even see the way that this psalm is written out. The first kind of two stanzas is David admitting who God is and who he is. And he's putting himself in the right position that he is, as you said, unworthy a nothing. He's just a, a, a mere mortal screw-up of a person, yet God is not. And he's admitting this. He's admitting, God, you have to do something. And then he talks about God's mighty power and that God knows the wicked, and that God will not put up with any of that. And it's because of God's perfect love that he can even enter into this. And that's the believing piece. It's, it's as, as believers, we need to not just hear the gospel and have this knowledge piece, but we need to take the next step with it. We need to actually believe that Jesus did die on the cross to redeem our sins, to fully redeem our sins, and that through that, He will give us a new purpose, and that He will redeem us, and that now we are a reborn creation. We are a new creation because of what He did. And we no longer are that, that past identity we're now a new creation in Christ. We need to believe that because of Him. And then we need to choose to follow Him. And that's kind of how He wraps this up. By God, you do what you're going to do and I will be here following. And we need to, not just a one-time thing, but a weekly, a daily, have this engagement with God where, God, we know who we are. We know who you are. We believe that you have redeemed us and we're choosing to follow you. And each week at Journey and your little programs, you got your little uh, post-it note. We give you those post-it notes. And this, this series may, may be the most meaningful in doing so. 
but that post-it note, you can take notes on it, but the post-it note is there as, as a little bit of a tool so that you can repent of something, that you, that you can lament of something, so you can admit something, so you can choose to, pit, to take it out of your mind and put it on paper that, God, I'm choosing to believe in you. I'm choosing to follow you, and we invite you to write that down and write. Uh, we're going to have a minute for you to take your next step, and there's a little prayer request board. You can take that, you can go post it there, and you can leave that here Sunday. You can go into this week, kind of like David is put processing, putting this on paper, starting fresh with God, just getting the positioning thing right, that you are God and I am not. You are sovereign, I am not. You've redeemed me. I have done nothing and I am choosing to follow you. I'm no longer going to go with my plan A because my plan A is what landed me here. And we want to give you that ability because many of us are feeling heavy this morning. Many of us are feeling far from God, not because of what he has or hasn't done, but because of what we have or haven't done. And we want to encourage you to, to lament, to admit, believe, and commit as David did through this process of ABC. You can write that down. You can post it there. And lastly, the big challenge this morning is for each and every one of us to leave here this morning being signed up with the new Bible reading plan where we're going to tackle, I, I know for the first week it's about five psalms a day, and that sounds daunting coming off like the numbers plan, but the first number of psalms are one to two minutes each to read. I, I just read that whole thing is about two minutes, and that's one of the longer psalms. They're short, they're connection, and it's, I love reading them because you realize that's the posture we ought to have towards God. And this was King David. This was King David, and he led the way in how to do this. We can do the same. One of my favorite scriptures, and you guys probably have memorized this, or I'm going to do this, is, is you know, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. That's the knowledge. That's the amazing thing. I'm going to choose to do that. But how do you actually live life acknowledging Him and not leaning on your own understanding and choosing to follow whichever way He guides us to do? Well, that's what the Psalms is. David laying out this process of what that looks like and something that we can actually participate in and read every day and start fresh every day with acknowledging Him, acknowledging who, how small and how we don't really contribute anything and how our knowledge is not the path we want to choose, but instead we want to lean in Him in everything. So a big challenge today, sign up for that plan. How do you do that? In your program, you, you've got a, um, a bookmark. It's a QR code. If you scan that with your camera app on your phone, that will directly bring up an invitation. You can click that and join it. If you're like, okay, that sounds good. I don't even know what that means. Uh, there's an easier way to do that, and that's to walk over to the blue tent, and there will be like two or three people there and they will get you hooked up. And they'll even show you what it looks like on your app. If you don't have the app, they will get you the app. They'll show you what it looks like. And they'll even walk you through how to read it every day, what shows up on your phone every day, what to click every day. And then at the end of it, how you can choose to leave a comment or not leave a comment. If you want to be like one of those stealthy Facebook people, you cannot leave a comment, but even read everyone else's comments. Which is, again, kind of as we read David, it's a reminder that you're not alone. Yeah, you're pretty jacked up. But God redeems. And that's the path we're choosing to follow. So um, join that plan and then let's all be launched on that. And for the next few weeks, we're going to have different teams of people up here walking us through different 
books of Psalms so we can all be challenged and encouraged to take our next step and be growing in our relationship with Jesus. Let me pray.